Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Coming up, a new low in Canada's policy of appeasement with China and the mainstream media's unwillingness to report on it. The Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Welcome to The Andrew Lawton Show, Canada's most irreverent talk show here on True North. It is December 12th, and oh my goodness, what a big week for news. I'm going to just be talking about one major story and a lot of the spin-off narratives that emerged from it. And that was a great scoop by our friends over at Rebel News on really a, a two-pronged story here. The first part of it is the Canadian military training China's military, actually known as the People's Liberation Army. But the other part of it, and I'd say the more insane part of this is that the Trudeau government was actively fighting and pushing back against a directive and a recommendation from the military itself to stop this. The Trudeau government was saying, no, 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 we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to upset China. We have to keep going with this. Now, as it stands now, there is no training happening. Defense Minister Harjit Sajjan had said that the Canadian military is no longer training with the Chinese army. So clearly at some point, the government relented on this or the military just said, you know what, we're doing what we want here. But I want to talk about this in a, a few different contexts here, because first and foremost, the Trudeau government didn't start this. A lot of people are pointing out that, oh, well, if the conservatives have such an issue with this, Harper should have never allowed this to happen in the first place. I would agree with that. And I, I'm not obfuscating here because I, I think, yeah, getting into bed with China, especially the Chinese military, sharing our secrets, our tactics, our tricks, whatever we do in winter combat, sharing that with China, who is not an ally, is not a friend, is a bad idea. But I will point out that it's been in the last few years that that relationship with China has gotten as tenuous and strained as it has. That was not as long-standing a, a challenge. I mean, certainly we needed to approach China with apprehension. The conservative government would have known full well about China's intelligence and influence operations in Canada on Canadian soil. In fact, there was even a, Can a conservative member of parliament who uh, was linked in, in some way with someone who was very likely a Chinese spy whose cover identity in Canada was a reporter, and this has been covered in the past. So the whole point of this is that, yeah, the Conservatives should have known China wasn't our friend, but it's only been in the recent few years that the Chinese relationship is one that particularly has become a very, point, a very potent threat to Canada. So when the military is saying, hey, we don't want to do this anymore, the Trudeau government should have been like, yep, fine with us, we're done. Instead, the opposite happened. So in these documents, these emails, which the government kind of accidentally handed over, which is interesting in and of itself, it was, they were trying to black things out, but ended up really just highlighting them because you could read the text through it. And then they handed this over. Some of them are classified as secret with the designation of being for Canadian eyes only. But ultimately, if the freedom of information officers or access to information officers uh, don't know the difference between a redaction, which they use very effectively in a lot of other cases, 
and just, you know, covering it up with a little bit of a black highlighter, then there really is no uh, question that getting these documents makes them fair game for reporting. And in these documents, in these emails of people going back and forth about pausing the winter training exercise, they reference Five Eyes concerns about them. Now, the Five Eyes Intelligence Sharing Alliance is a very important one. So if other countries in this, including the United States and the United Kingdom, are saying, yeah, you know what, we've got some concerns with our Chinese allies uh, sharing information and training and military tactics with China, I would side with the Five Eyes over China. And at another point here, uh, someone says... Our impression is that DND, Canadian Armed Forces, reluctance to engage with the People's Liberation Army is not solely related to Ms. Meng, that's Meng Wanzhou of Huawei's arrest, and the consular cases referring to the Chinese imprisonment of Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor, that there are other reasons behind their interest in disengaging. From our perspective, it also perhaps to be related to a desire to be fully aligned with FEYS, particularly the U.S., that's Five Eyes, whose approach has shifted under the Trump administration. So they talk about the need to have a position on China that mirrors that of larger countries that also have skin in the game here, which when you're a country that should be grateful to be at the table, you don't want to be saying that, hey, you know what, we think that China's okay, even though they're doing all this stuff to you guys. So uh, that's a very important point here. But the response from the Trudeau government, from the civil service, but also we know taking direction from Christian Freeland, who's now the deputy prime minister, was saying that, no, 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 if we, if we push too much and if we tell China we don't want to do it, they'll think we're retaliating. As per the briefing to the Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs, should Canada make significant reductions in its military engagement with China, China will likely read this as a retaliatory move related to the Meng Wanzhou case. This is not least because China has used reductions in military engagement with the U.S. in recent years to signal its dissatisfaction with the U.S.-China trade relationship. Such reductions have included reported cancelled visits by senior military personnel and cancelled port visits. Earlier on in the same briefing, it talks about the importance of ensuring that we have a continued relationship with China and not closing the door to future bilateral engagements, yada, yada, yada. So even in saying this, even in saying that, you know what, we think it's probably appropriate to, to uh, push back against this, they're saying that China is a friend. They're saying that this country that might see this as retaliation for the things they're doing that are wrong well, you know what, we, we don't want to anger them too much. So why on earth is appeasing China the top priority? Why on earth is, remember, Justin Trudeau's government's whole MO is about, quote unquote, listen to the experts. So when the experts in the Canadian Armed Forces are saying, listen, we shouldn't do this winter training with them, we shouldn't do this, uh, you know what, why is that getting trumped by apparently the need to appease China, to keep China happy, even when Australia has brought its issues to us, the United States has brought its issues to us? This is in insane. And a lot a lot of people who don't really, I think, have respect for the work that the Canadian Armed Forces does have been pointing out, oh, it's, you know, winter training. Like, what are we, what are we going to do? Are we just going to, like, you know, not tell them where to get Canada Goose coats? <laughs> the reality is the Canadian military excels. I know a lot of people joke about the winter weather in Canada, but as a result, the Canadian military excels at winter combat and winter scenarios. So does the, the Russian military, for that matter, which is a lot closer of a country to China. So why don't they just get tips and tricks from Russia? Well, here's why. I don't think China cares. 
China is in the Northern Hemisphere. China has access to places with cold weather. China has access to a whole bunch of regions in Asia where they can do cold weather training on their own. They don't want our help. They don't need our help. I'm convinced that China just wants to get into the building. China just wants the key into the building, and once they're here, they can go around and, and do what they want. And by having these relationships between People's Liberation Army uh, soldiers and operatives and, and uh, senior agents and Canadian military, you're actually creating a pipeline by which the Chinese military can acquire intelligence. And I wouldn't be surprised if they had spies masquerading as soldiers that just want some cold weather training because we know China sends spies in any number of situations. Just look at that spy in the U.S., Fang Fang, that was involved in the Democrat former presidential candidate Eric Swalwell. Uh, Chinese spies in Canada that have infiltrated numerous levels of government. They've tried to compromise and in some cases have succeeded at compromising politicians, companies, and so on and so forth. So this is not just some benign relationship like if Canada were offering some winter weather advice to, I don't know, the, the, the Liechtenstein Guard or something. That is not what is happening here. And if we keep viewing China in these terms of being our friend and our partner and our ally and all of these things, well, knowing knowing all the shenanigans that China is doing uh, as well, sometimes directly to us or to Canadians, we are just weak. We are just pushovers. And China knows this. China sees us as an easy target, which is why other Five Eyes countries were saying, oh, you know, Canada, I'm not sure you should be doing this. China's clearly seeing us as an easy target because we are, are not uh, resolute enough to say no and to put our feet down without the government equivocating and going back and forth and talking about our, our friend and ally in, in China. And this is not something that should be embraced at all. And I want you to just see the weakness in the response to this from Deputy Prime Minister now, Christian Freeland. This is an exchange between Aaron O'Toole and Christian Freeland in question period. Now, normally, I try to avoid playing, you know, several minutes of politicians speaking, but it's important that you hear exactly how brazen the non-answers are by Deputy Prime Minister Freeland. Mr. Speaker, months after Canadian citizens were taken hostage by the communist regime in China, we learned that the Liberals fought hard to keep a close relationship with China. In fact, the Deputy Prime Minister fought for Canada to train China's military on Canadian soil against the direct advice of the Chief of Defence Staff. With our citizens in jail, our exports banned, and with China committing human rights abuses around the world, why did the Deputy Prime Minister push hard to partner with them? Honourable Deputy Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, today marks two years since Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor were arbitrarily detained in China. These years have been stolen from Mr. Kovrig and Mr. Spavor, from their families and loved ones. I know that all Canadians admire the integrity and strength of character these two men have shown, and I would also like to pay tribute to their families. The release of these two brave Canadians is an absolute priority for our government. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Leader of the Opposition. Mr. Speaker, I agree with the Deputy Prime Minister. All Canadians are worried about the, the fate of Mr. Kovrig and Mr. Spavor. Those two years were stolen. So my question for the Deputy Prime Minister, while they were stealing the lives of our citizens, 
Why was she trying to push the Canadian Armed Forces to train the Chinese military on our soil when they're abusing our citizens, our rights, international law? Why was this government trying to partner with them? Honourable Deputy Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, I have long personal experience reporting on authoritarian communist regimes, and I am very aware of the threats they pose. When it comes to China, Canada is appalled by the treatment of the Uyghurs. We stand with the people of Hong Kong, especially the Canadian citizens there, and the release of Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig is an absolute priority for our government. Leader of the Opposition. Mr. Speaker, the Minister's actions never match those fine words. That's the problem with this government. The Liberals ignored security and scientific experts on the Can Sino vaccine deal. They ignore our allies on Huawei. And now we, we learn they were ignoring the Chief of Defence Staff when it came to military exercises with China. Defence officials clearly said there was risks of knowledge transfer by working with China. Why does the Deputy Prime Minister think that she knows better than the military about how to maintain our military secrets? Mr. Speaker, I'd like to talk a little bit about CanSino and vaccines, because that's where the Leader of the Opposition began his questions. And let me just say, I understand why the Leader of, of the Official Opposition is worked up about vaccines. And that's because he and his party spent weeks trying to scare Canadians into believing we were at the back of the line. Instead, Canada has the most robust vaccine portfolio in the world. Vaccines arrive next week, and the Pfizer vaccine has been approved. The leader of the official opposition would do better to confront the anti-vaccine. Uh, the Honourable Leader of the Opposition. As the Canadian forces and our allies were warning about the protection of military secrets, documents reveal that this government were more worried about upsetting the communist regime in Beijing. Every time we ask about China, they say that national security is a priority, or as the Deputy Prime Minister just demonstrated, they do not answer the question. So my question is simple, Mr. Speaker. Why did her department try to overrule the Canadian Armed Forces and force them to train the Chinese military on Canadian soil while our citizens were being imprisoned? The Honourable Deputy Prime Minister. The Honourable Deputy Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, let me be very clear about our government's priority since the moment that Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig were detained. Our clear priority then and now is to secure the release of these two brave Canadians. We stand with them, we stand with their families, and we are going to continue working doggedly until we secure their release. So Aaron O'Toole has very direct, very specific questions. Why are we opening up the gates of CFB Petawawa for military officials from China? And her answer, well, you know, uh, we take uh, the release of Michael Kovrig and Michael Spaver and we want it and we do. And I'm like, OK, hang on. Yeah, everyone agrees with that. 
Everyone agrees with that. Why is that the go-to? She doesn't address the substance of it at all. And I know people like to joke about, oh, politicians never answer the question, but she didn't even come within, you know, three city blocks of the question. The question was in a different hemisphere than what the answer was. And this is something that, again, as Canadians, I'm thinking, you know, there's a, a pretty realistic problem here that's not being addressed. Remember when the Liberals were terrified about Canadian soldiers being deployed in Canadian cities and on Canadian streets uh, to assist with things back in 2006. Remember how the Liberals turned an attack ad about soldiers in our streets? Stephen Harper actually announced he wants to increase military presence in our cities. Canadian cities. Soldiers with guns. In our cities. In Canada. We did not make this up. Choose your Canada. It's great. Now we can actually repurpose it. I'll see if I can find that uh, voiceover artist. She was great. Chinese soldiers in our cities, in Canada. We did not make this up. No, we did not make this up. The government was plain as day doing this, and we are the big suckers for not understanding what China is up to. Yeah, soldiers in our streets. We didn't make it up indeed. And you know what? The media's role in this has actually been quite insidious, and I'll say not surprising, because The Rebel broke this story. Rebel did a great job. Uh, you know, Ezra Levant was very humble about it when I, I sent him a congratulatory note the other day by saying, you know what, they got lucky with these documents. But even so, they saw them through. They understood what was there. They understood what they had. They published this story uh, moments later, not even moments later, a couple of hours later, the Globe and Mail publishes a nearly identical story based on the same documents without any reference at all to Rebel, without any acknowledgement of Rebel's scoop on this. And then what happens, a few media outlets pick it up. It did not go widespread in the way that it should. But of the few mainstream media outlets that picked it up, they did not at all credit the original source of the story. They didn't credit Rebel for it. And there was one particular uh, piece in CBC that talked about uh, the volcanic online political eruption which followed, quote, stories in the Globe and Mail and other media outlets, unquote. So this is what happens. And, and again, I know some people don't like Rebel. Some people don't like Globe and Mail. Some people don't like us. That's fine. People can decide for themselves what media outlets they like or dislike, respect or don't respect. But it used to be that even your competitor, even someone you don't like, if they get a scoop, you give them the credit for it if you're going to report on it. And now you have this erasure of it. I saw a lot of people online that were almost mocking the story at first because it was Rebel that broke it. And then these same people, when the Globe and Mail picks it up, are like, okay, well, I guess we'll, we'll just share the Globe and Mail version now. And, and this is, I think, a, a great testament to how independent media has really become equalized. I mean, there's no monopoly on information. There's no monopoly on scoops. Anyone can get a handle on these things. You have to just have talent and you have to know when you've got something and you have to know how to carry it into the end zone, which I believe is a uh, hockey reference of some kind. But the whole point of this is that uh, the media has now tried to uh, basically not cover this. And that's why, if you look elsewhere, there isn't really much about it, because now they, they don't want to have to legitimize the source of it. 
So it's very convenient that a major global geopolitical story has basically been blacked out, except blacked out a lot more effectively than the Department of National Defense and the Ministry of uh, the Department of Global Affairs have been able to black out uh, supposedly secret documents. So I commend Ezra and his team for doing this, and I say shame on the people that aren't covering this, and I say shame on the people in Justin Trudeau's government that think cozying up with China's People's Liberation Army is much more important than standing up for the rule of law and standing up for Canadian interests. You know, everyone has said throughout the entirety of Justin Trudeau's uh, response to anything China, when, remember when uh, Patty Haidu, the health minister, said that if you criticize China's coronavirus numbers, you're, quote, feeding conspiracy theories. The appeasement mentality of China, people have defended by saying, oh, you know, Justin Trudeau's playing 3D chess. You know, he's, don't, he's just trying to, you know, get the two Michaels released and all of that. Well, if he were playing some elaborate strategic game, he would have some to show for it, which he does not. Canada has nothing to show for it. So our not rocking the boat approach has actually done nothing whatsoever because China is aware of that. China doesn't owe us anything and China knows it doesn't owe us anything. So let's dispense with this notion that by being pushovers, by being the appeasers in this relationship, we are supposedly currying good favor with China. You don't respond to someone abusing you and abusing your citizens by being nice to them. And th this must be infuriating to the United States. And I know the United States is going to be having its own change in government in a few short weeks. And that means there's going to be a, a change in the approach to China, presumably. But even then, I don't think Joe Biden is going to be as weak on China as Justin Trudeau is. If this is an important relationship to the Trudeau government, we all know, you know, it's a, he admires the basic dictatorship that can just get things done. Well, by Trudeau's own admission, why have they not been able to just get the release of the two Michaels done if they are our friend, if they are our global partner? So we may not have Chinese soldiers in our streets, in our cities, but we still have a liberal government that was just as happy to have that be the case, which is almost the real scandal of this. We've got to wrap things up. We will talk to you in just a couple of days. This is Canada's most irreverent talk show here on True North. Thank you, God bless, and good day, Canada. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.